I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Let's get moving with Maria. Inspiration to spend a few minutes each day to get moving on the small things that can make a big difference in your life. Thank you for joining us today for Let's Get Moving. I have with me Dr. Liz Hale. And Dr. Liz, we're going to talk about how it is that our suffering is caused by our thoughts and not by events. And you were talking about a brand new book that has done 40,000 hours worth of research, or 40 years of research, rather. Right. Describe for me what we're talking about here. Yes, isn't that interesting? Dr. David Burns is a psychiatrist and a mentor of mine. Feeling Great is the hot off the press new book that he wrote. 40 years of research, 40,000 hours of treating individuals with severe mood problems. You might remember him or his name. Feeling Good was the book that came out 40 years ago. Did you ever come across that? I remember seeing it. I'm not sure if I actually read the book. In psychology, it's a a little of our depression, anxiety Bible, if you will. And it had a cognitive approach, meaning a thinking approach, where feeling great is more of a motivational approach, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. And why is motivation important? Because resistance is alive and well in every single one of us. We get stuck in our feelings. Why? Because we have mixed feelings about recovery quite honestly. You know, we say we want to get fit, right? And we want to eat better, but it's like, oh, that means such sacrifice. It's definitely work. Yes, it's Nothing comes easily. That's right. That's right. So we get get stuck. And I think it's uh, important to talk about that. Even with this pandemic, you know, some of the studies that are out right now, Maria, show that depression and anxiety, they're at triple levels for some people. But it's so interesting because I also hear just the opposite of that, right? One of my neighbors uh, texted me just the other day, and I texted back saying, you know, you're really embracing this COVID. It's working pretty well for you and your family, seems to. She goes, yeah. She goes, oh, my gosh, wait, I don't have to go to work in the morning. I don't have to do that commute, I mean. I can just go to my desk. I can visit with my coworkers over Zoom. And if I want to take a break from my desk, I go and do a little housework and come back. We're eating better as a family. We're spending more time together. I don't have to rush the kids off to school because they're doing um, online school. So it was very interesting to hear that perspective. It's going well for them. It doesn't go so well for the people, right, especially for single parents who are trying to do it all. It's tough depending on your circumstances. So, Liz, how is it that we do get stuck in our thoughts and that really does impact our mood? Let me tell you this, a lot of people think that it's because of it's, a, it's a chemical imbalance, right? Or a bad childhood or repressed, repressed feelings or traumatic events. And it's not. It really is if, if, if listeners could just try to embrace this just for a moment, that what causes negative feelings are negative thoughts. Just kind of go along with that for a minute. Challenge some of those long-held beliefs about anxiety and depression. Because with cognitive therapy, along with Dr. David Burns, and he treated psychiatric patients for years, and he found that, you know, we'd push pills at them, and nothing would ever really change. So he is not a big proponent of medication. Now, I would never tell a client to stop taking their meds if they're 
certain that that Lexapro or Prozac is working for them. I think that's wonderful. But this is definitely a particular theory that the, the, you feel the way you think, and it's thoughts, not events, that cause feelings. Depression and anxiety is the world's oldest con, according to this Dr. David Burns. Mm. And depressing, anxious thoughts equal come from rather distorted and illogical thinking. So I can talk about some of those twisted, let's, twisted uh, distortions if you let's like. Let's do that, because how okay. do we mix it up when we get stuck okay. in a negative thought? Well, you know, there are 10 types of cognitive distortions, and I, I'm just going to choose a, a few favorites, okay, Maria? Mm-hmm. So one of them would be we um, distort our thinking when we magnify the negative and we minimize the positive. It's called magnification minimization, just like that. Think of a right. binocular, right? I'm going to look at the big end of the binocular or the little end of the binocular. Labeling is a really common one, right? I'm um, a terrible parent. I am a loser. I um, am never going to amount to anything. I, you know, I, um, I am depressed. I am overweight. I am fat. Emotional reasoning when you call yourself those names, I am a bad parent, um, then it must be so. Or if I feel, if I feel um, guilty, then it's because I've done something terrible. Should statements are another good one, right? We should on ourselves all the time. Have you ever heard that? Yes. We should on each other. We should on the world. We should on our government. We should on our boss. <laughs> a lot of shoulds lead to anger and frustration. They don't really get us anywhere. So no. that, that's just a few of them. I'd love to tell you a story about a woman that uh, Dr. David Burns worked with. She's a therapist, actually, and she worked with a large audience of us full of therapists. It was really quite interesting. Um, Are you ready for a little storytelling? Yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. And how she got unstuck? Because this woman had been stuck for nine years, feeling guilty and ashamed. Um, One evening, her nine-year-old daughter, Ashley, she she asked to go out to play after dinner. And at first, Karen thought, you know, I don't know why I don't really want you. I think it's getting dark. But then she thought, well, I've always done this. So she let Ashley go out. And unbeknownst to both, unbeknownst to both of them, there were these boys from the neighborhood that were uh, waiting for her and shot her in the face with a pellet rifle. Oh. They didn't think the pellet rifle was loaded, they said, but sadly it shot her in the face. She came in screaming with uh, this tooth blown out, even to the root, hysterical oh. and bleeding profusely. So years later, after multiple mouth surgeries and treatment for PTSD, here was Karen up in front of all of us claiming how she felt like such a terrible mom. And it was really, really distressful for her to think about all those times that she should wish, wish she could have done something different. She should have seen it coming, right? So she had some really distorted things like thinking like, I'm a bad mom. I never should have let her go out to play. It's my fault her childhood was ruined. So even if you can just kind of hear all the distortions that she was going through, Mm -hmm. when actually none of those were really quite true. Um, If you take the first one, I never should let her go out to play. You can hear it. Like if we were to turn something around, like what's really good about someone who thinks that way, a mom that thinks that way? Can you think of something good about that negative thought? I never should have let her go out to play, Maria. What does that say about her, the mom? Uh, that she feels guilty. <laughs> uh-huh. She feels guilty. And, and she's she afraid sad. of something or sad, yes. Yep, and it seems totally appropriate that she would be sad. Why? Because her daughter got hurt. And it, it seems appropriate that she would want to protect herself and protect her daughter. So they, our negative thoughts show something very 
core about us, very good and even awesome about an individual. She has an empathy and a desire to protect her daughter. So let's, let's take the other one, the other thought she had. It's my fault her childhood was ruined. So there's a hopelessness there. Mm-hmm. So it's my fault. What, what is something good about Karen when she says, it's my fault? I like her honesty, right? And right. her humility. She's not blaming others. She's not denying that they had this terrible situation. There's no Pollyanna-ish life going on there. And perhaps it really was life-changing, and I don't know that that wasn't for good even. Mm-hmm. What good things did come from that? And then, of course, the other one is I'm going to spend the rest of my life making it up to her. And that just, you know, expresses her inadequacy. But what I love about that is her realism and her truth telling. And the hopelessness is really understandable because there's been nine years of failed therapy. Mm-hmm. But she's been immensely dedicated, and she continues to search. And when she came before all of us with David Burns and did her work, if you will, around these negative thoughts and understanding her core values, it was mind-blowing. It was a mind-changing, life-changing event for her. When she realized that her negative thoughts and feelings told her what was awesome about her and what were the benefits, she was absolutely blown away. Sometimes what we'll do with the client is we'll say, okay, I've got a magic button right here. Let's say that if you hit that magic button, all your negativity about being a bad mom, about having to spend the rest of your life making it up to your daughter, all these feelings of hopelessness and sadness and guilt, they would just be gone like that in the blink of an eye. Would you hit that button? And at first, everyone, right, would say, oh, yeah, yeah, I I just want to stop the suffering. (laughs) Right. But when you remind them, but wait a minute, Karen, when you hit this button, your daughter still would have been shot in the face, and you still would have had that experience from those nine years ago. You really want to, you sure you want to hit that button, and you'd suddenly just be jolly and happy and never have a worry about this situation? And that really made her stop and think, but if we could change that magic button into a magic dial and just dial down some of the sadness and hopelessness and grief and guilt, now that could be worth doing. Let's have just enough going forward that's, that's appropriate for the situation, but one that doesn't um, determine our life either. Right. There is good reason for those feelings. You bet. That's the whole point is that there is good reason for those feelings. So the magic button turned into a magic dial. You give them to an optimal level rather than make them disappear entirely. I'm telling you this book, I've been so excited for it and I can't put it down. It is a thick book. It reminds me of going back <laughs> to school. It's like a textbook, right? but it is for not only just for therapists, but it is for individuals who struggle with depression and anxiety that you do not have to be debilitated by that. Dr. Liz, I think what is cool about what you're telling me is this could help people who are not just suffering from um, major depression, depression, lifelong depression, maybe is the way I want to state that, that all of us do go through little states of depression and for good reasons sometimes, but it's that getting stuck there. Mm -hmm. And and something you said that really uh, stands out for me is the should have part. Yeah. when we have something happen to us, we all think we should have done whatever the opposite is of what we should, of what we did. That's right. Right? That's Isn't right. that just part of human nature? It is. When Karen really thought about it, and she said, I should not have let her go out to play that day, the distortion that caught her mind was the mind-reading one. It's like, oh, so you should have been able to foretell the future. 
And then she thought from it, it's like, oh, there's no way I can do that. Right. So what do you do? I... You don't let her go out to play ever, right? Of course, yeah, I've always let her go out to play, right? I've always done that. Mm-hmm. So why would that be any different? I cannot foretell the future. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. <laughs> I'm kind of glad I don't know the future in a way. <laughs> well, yeah, sometimes for sure, this, right? This is very much along the lines of even the placebo effect. I, I think it's so fascinating that the, the placebo effect keeps getting stronger and stronger, um, and we knew about this back in the days of World War II, right, when they ran out of morphine for these wounded soldiers. And a uh, pharmacologist and anesthesiologist, Henry Beaker, I think was his name, he mixed up a saline solution and told the soldiers, this is morphine. Mm-hmm. Ethical or not, right, it's an ethical quicksand. But half, almost half of them believed him and had the effects of a painkiller. Just because of our thoughts and how our thoughts can improve our situation. It is powerful. What I find, some antidepressants work for some people some of the time. It's not very good, our um, success rate. So I'm really interested on the power of the mind and how someone can really help themselves. There is such power in that, right? When we can help people to stop, pay attention to just what were you thinking just before you felt like crying. And not, not that crying is bad. But pay attention to the connection. So feeling great. Can't say enough about it. I hope someone gets something from our conversation today, Maria. I enjoyed it. And it's my passion for sure. (laughs) Well, we always appreciate you. Thank you so much, Dr. Liz. Thank you. Take good care. Be safe. Stay happy, healthy. Okay, Maria and everyone. Bye-bye now. now. Bye-bye. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.